T-S-N-Y. What's good, sports fans? Welcome to Small Ball Radio. This is our second episode. Thanks for rejoining us if you're here again today. We're changing it up a little bit. We're going with some NFL stuff, and more specifically, we're talking Giants. And here we have my good friend and my colleague at ESNY, one of our Giants writers. He does editing. He has his own podcast, Wide Right Podcast. I would definitely, definitely check that out if you're into the NFL, Giants, anything like that. Uh, he does great coverage with all that stuff. And we have Ryan Honey. Ryan, how are we doing today? Danny, thanks for having me on, man. I appreciate it. How are you? I'm good, good. Hanging in there. Um, we were kind of talking a little bit before the show. I was saying how uh, one of the things, like, I, I know I, I'm a Jets fan, you know, full disclosure for the Giants fans listening to this. So I know the Jets, <laughs> their guys up and back. But I know the Giants. I know the top few guys. Like, I know uh, Andrew Thomas. I know McKinney. I know uh, Matt Matt Pert uh, from UConn. I know, like, kind of the top guys. But that's the rest of them. The lower guys are kind of the ones I'd need some more insight on. So I figured who better to bring on than you to come on, kind of give me some insight. But <laughs> let's, start, let's start with Andrew Thomas there. Because uh, that was a pick that wasn't necessarily, like, a shocker. People weren't, like, you know, it wasn't necessarily yeah. as crazy as Daniel Jones the year before, I think. But still, a lot of people were expecting the Giants to go uh, a different way with one of the other offensive tackles there. So let's just – what was your reaction when you saw that the Giants were going with Thomas at four? Um, I think that's the perfect description for it, is that it wasn't a surprise as far as the type of pick it was. I think it was a surprise about who it was. My – I was I definitely wanted offensive line. A lot of people wanted mm-hmm. Isaiah Simmons. I actually had the feeling that Gettleman would take Isaiah Simmons because he's a good, he's big on taking the best player. Mm-hmm. You know, a couple of years ago they didn't need a running back; they needed a quarterback to replace Eli at some point. But they still took Saquon Barkley. Uh, there's no way Daniel Jones was the sixth best player in the draft a year ago. So he's it, but like, I guess. A, he kind of switches a little bit. It's, he's you know he's unpredictable. Like, he's, he's, yeah, 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 yeah. He's so I thought he would, like, you know, Saquon Barkley was the best player pick, but then Daniel Jones was a, you know, he drafted him for need. So I figured he would go either way. But I figured there was a, I, I just, I thought he would go Simmons. Especially with that defense was kind of, yeah, that yeah. defense really struggled last year. Yeah, Simmons would have been like a kind of like, a best player pick, but also a pick for need mm-hmm. in a sort of way. But I think Simmons was definitely the best player on the board at number four. Um, but as far as my reaction, I wanted Will Jedrick Wills mm-hmm. or Tristan Wirfs. But Andrew Thomas is a solid left tackle. He has experience at left tackle. Um, such as like, you know, Jedrick Wills was a right. He, he blocked for Tua, but for the most part, he was a right tackle mm-hmm. in college. So was Tristan Wirfs. Andrew Thomas has experience blocking on the left side of the ball. And to be honest, the margin between each of those four top offensive tackles, the margin of talent, wasn't that wide. You know, a lot of them were kind of the same as far as talent-wise um, and what they could bring to the table. So at the end of the I like the pick. I mean, if it works out, I hope it works out, obviously. Um, I think it's a great pick. They definitely needed to go offensive tackle. They needed to fix – that offensive line once and for all when you have a young quarterback you've got to build around them when you have young offensive mm-hmm. weapons like you know Jones Barkley uh, Slayton you know Shepard's still in his younger years you need to build around you know those guys if you don't have any protection then what's the point it's the same thing like with, with what the Jets did the Jets mm-hmm. could have went receiver but they're, they have you know a young quarterback and they need to build around them so I definitely like the pick I definitely like Thomas um, I hope it works out. I mean, he'll probably go to the right side of the ball, eventually transition over to the left because Nate Solder, if Nate Solder struggles yeah. again this year, I think it's, that's, that's a big contract though to get, just get rid of him. But you know, sometimes you got to do what you got to do and they'll figure it out. But I think Thomas is a good, as far as figuring out the offensive line, Thomas is definitely going to be a staple. Yeah. And I think, uh, you know, kind of we're talking about how he was a little bit surprising of a pick. I guess he was the, you know, I don't know if you, uh, I guess you call him like the, the highest ceiling, maybe not as high or I'm sorry, higher floor, 
He might not yeah. have had the upside of maybe Tristan Wirfs or Becton, maybe yeah. even Dragonjack Wills. Like, it's tough to tell. That's at least what it seemed like the draft analysts were saying coming out. But mm-hmm. it seems like he's the type of guy who you, you can come in, plug him in on that right side now, and then, you know, like you said, Nate Solder's not going to be in New York forever. So by the time he's yeah. ready to go, you can kind of seamless, seamlessly transition over to the left um, left side. And then you've got – uh, you got Thomas, you got Will Hernandez, who's a nice young, uh, nicely young lineman there. Uh, and then I'm going to kind of skip over McKinney for a second here. But then you, the Giants also go with uh, Matt Parrott, who's an offensive tackle out of UConn, which if you can get yeah. the left and right tackle of the future for your quarterback, you know, that's if you do that in one draft class, that's about as much as any fan base can ask for, I feel like. Massive, yeah. Yeah, no, Parrot say I, you know, a lot of people didn't know about Parrot. And it mm-hmm. goes, you know, he, he's, UConn isn't exactly a significant, mm-hmm. huge football program. I remember we talked that one time they had that one very good year where yep. they, yeah. you know, the, the BCS bowl game and all that. Um, they got crushed, but at least they made it. Um, but, you know, UConn doesn't exactly, you don't have a lot of players coming out that are going to be stars. Matt Parrott, everyone is saying, not, not everyone, but a lot of people are saying is this one of the steals of this draft. And if you look at, you know, what he's been able to do, he's, he basically stands out. If you watch film, he basically stands out on the UConn offense, mm-hmm. which is a tough thing to do when yeah. you're not, you know, a skill player. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> it's like, um, and I think, you know, it's the same thing I said with Thomas. Thomas has experience on the left side. Parrott has experience as a right tackle. Um, most recently, mm-hmm. Parrott also has experience. In the, he played both sides in college, but most recently he has experience in the right side. So if you can, if you can move, if you can start Thomas out at right, move into the left side, and then you can plug Parrott in. If you feel confident enough to do to plug Parrott in on the right side, I think that is, as you said, huge for this team because it's the offensive tackle issue. It's been long fixing mm-hmm. it has been long overdue. And, you know, as just watching this team every year, every single week, you know, all fall, I'm sick and tired of these one-year plans at right tackle. You know, they had Chad Wheeler in Mm -hmm. 2018. Uh, He was no good. He's gone. Uh, Mike Remmers in 2019, he was no good. He's gone. And it looked to be the same thing with Cam Fleming. They signed Cam Fleming in free agency to a one-year deal. So I'm like, oh, here we go again. Another, mm-hmm. you know, short-term option at yeah, you know, right short-term. tackle who may or may Yeah, it's like who may or may not be good. And you have no idea until you get – so if, if Thomas and Perry can be the bookend tackles um, for the future, that's going to be huge for Daniel Jones. And the um, thing that stood out to, for uh, Perry, he's 6'7". Uh, he's so he's Monster, like, yeah. He's, he's like, he's like a Becton. I mean, obviously he's mm-hmm. not as big, no one's as big as Becton, um, but he's a monster. So he's, he's got, and even for his size, he's got great, he's got like fantastic lateral agility. I mean, he's great footwork um, just from watching the film. He, he, he can move his feet very well. He's strong. He's quick he's athletic he brings a lot of good things now he's not gonna start right away that's mm-hmm. definitely I, for sure i don't think that's um, a bad he's thing a developmental either. tackle no not at all i think it's work i think it's not gonna work out if he doesn't start right away i think he may you know the speed of the nfl i may think he's he's got to get accustomed to it first um mm-hmm. but i, I think if you can injuries like you having him in your back pocket where you know somebody goes down on the line. I mean, I guess he wouldn't, he probably wouldn't shift into guard or anything, but if, you know, if Thomas goes down or something like that, at least you have a guy who you think is going to be part of the future and, you know, you don't want to, injuries are obviously the last thing any team wants, but if someone does get injured, you at least have, okay, let's, let's see what he's got. We see, you know, let's see if, if he's got what it takes. Um, but I like that he's going to be able to kind of ease his way into the NFL because coming, like we, we kind of talked about coming in from UConn, you're not playing prime time games on Saturday or anything no. like that. No, there it's a knock on wood if Thomas gets hurt. Um, yeah. And I'm not but, trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to throw that into the universe or anything. I'm just, uh, I'm just saying. No, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. Um, no, he wouldn't be a bad option at all. If as a reserve at first, 
but yeah, it's, he's a developmental, um, you know, he's a, he's, he's a project at tackle. He's, mm-hmm. he's gotta be worked on. Um, and, uh, you know, they have a new offensive line coach of Mark Colombo who worked with Jason Garrett over in Dallas the last couple of years. So he, that's, that should be beneficial for them. You know, Colombo's got, you know, experience working in this type of offense. It's not like he's getting blindsided by a new offensive coordinator or a new play caller or anything like that. And so I think, I think there's multiple last multiple moves that this organization made that's going to benefit the offensive line um, this year. And um, I, yeah, I'm looking for Thomas and Perry to be the bookend tackles for you know the future. And mm-hmm. it's it's great that the Giants get him now at 22, 23 years old. So I'm hoping that that works out. That was that was my main goal for the draft. Yeah, figure that and out. I know um, I, we've we've talked about this a bunch before, but the Leonard Williams trade that hurt. You know, I think getting to that point in the draft, one of my friends who's like a he's a diehard Giants fan texted me at that moment and just said, this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer, like watch. So I know uh, <laughs> I know definitely for sure Giants fans were feeling the uh, the loss on that pick. But then when they followed that up by taking, you know, Pert of, uh, like a little bit later, it's like, OK, well, you, you kind of felt a little bit better about about the draft so far because, uh, you know, I, like like we've been saying, the offensive line just desperately needed some help. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I remember saying like the first, the, uh, the second round pick and the third round pick. So McKinney and Perry, mm-hmm. I remember saying at, I've warmed up to both mm-hmm. and now I'm not saying they're not good players at all. McKinney was the fact that McKinney dropped to the giants is insane. But I said, like, I didn't necessarily agree with the picks at first because I was so big on them drafting a tackle and then just drafting a center in the second round. Mm-hmm. I was, I wanted them to say, screw it, fix the offensive line first two rounds. But the fact that they, they didn't do that. They picked a guy like McKinney and a guy like Parrott, and they were still able to get a guy like Shane Lemieux in the fifth That's round. That's a good point. Yeah. Who may, um, you know, move over to center. That's going to be tough because he started all 52 games at left guard in college uh, for Oregon. The fact that they were able to do that and that may work, that made me feel a little bit better about the picks because I, I, I wanted them to get Tyler Beatish from Wisconsin mm-hmm. who won, who was, who won the, I think it's the Remington trophy, best center in college football last year. Every single round I'm sitting at my, I'm sitting in front of my TV and I'm like, all right, this is the round they're getting him. It's going to fix the old line. Didn't happen in the second, third or fourth round. And then a couple giants had like the fourth pick in the, yeah, fourth pick in the fifth round. And it was the last pick in the fourth round. And I'm like, all right, a couple more picks mm-hmm. all in. And of course the Cowboys took them. And I'm like, you've got to be, I was like, I, I, I disagreed with the picks. I, I, I really wanted him. But the fact that they were able to pull it off and get someone like Lemieux who could move over mm-hmm. and compete, I've warmed up to a lot of the, you know, picks. The, the Cowboys did that to a couple, like a couple NFC East teams. Like I feel like they, they kind of like, and not who knows if the Giants were actually like who they had on their board right, at that yeah. point. But it felt like you know they jumped the Giants and took, uh, you know, the guy, the kid from Wisconsin, be a dash. And then uh, it felt. I think they did the same thing like on on some on the eagles and something i'm blanking on on who it was but i remember seeing they they kind of like did a couple of those trade-ups um but you you kind of you mentioned mckinney a little bit uh and obviously i think a lot of people have made this connection but the uh the kind of the landing collins connection where you know kid from alabama safety who kind of drops a little bit more than than you expect comes in with a chip on his shoulder uh, I, I mean, I like that they brought in McKinney because that defense obviously needed somebody to kind of come in and be a, a difference maker. Uh, but of course, you know, with all the stuff going on with DeAndre Baker and everything like that, the secondary is even going to be, you know, taxed even more than than it was kind of before all that nonsense kind of went down. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's a tough situation. He's coming into... First of all, McKinney, just like going aside from like the Baker news, McKinney is mm-hmm. coming into a defensive backfield that struggled for three straight years. Mm-hmm. You know, they haven't been good since like 2016. Um, and uh, they don't, you know, we don't know how good they're going to be this year or 
I mean, they have more talent now, but I think I love Julian Love, but McKinney is, you know, more talented than him right now. He's probably going to be. Um, and, uh, you know, Peppers is obviously talented, and they picked up James Bradbury. But you still don't know. These, this, this group is so young. James Bradbury is, was brought in to be a sort of a, a mentor, and he's 26 years old. Yeah. So it's like, it's, he's not, it's so like, he's, like, he's not exactly Frank Gore. <laughs> I know. You know like, 37 yeah, exactly. year old. Uh, he's, he's still pretty young himself. He's no Josh McCown. Like, yeah, right. It's, exactly. It's, um, yeah, it's just, but it's a young secondary. And uh, the thing I like about it though, is that they're versatile. You know, the giants have a safety tandem now of peppers mm-hmm. and McKinney. And that has a few, you know, maybe not right now because, you know, McKinney hasn't taken a, I don't want to get too far fetched with McKinney before he takes like a snap in the NFL. Mm-hmm. You never know who's going to be a Boston who isn't. Um, but a couple years down the line, those two have the potential to be like the mo- one of the more versatile safety tandems in the league. Both are very aggressive and can come up and hit. Both can defend the pass. They're more they, – they both succeed well up near – when they're up near the line of scrimmage. So it's going to be interesting to see how they – you know, how they adapt to that in the NFL. Like if they have to, you know, on certain passing downs, who's going to drop back and who's going to be playing up and then maybe one will come out and another – or something like – it'll be interesting to see what they do. But, even with uh, with like Julian Love, he he can play some safety, right? So they could even you know yeah. pl- play him in like maybe a single high, and then you know go three safety set with you know with uh, with Peppers and McKinney kind of playing up a little bit more, maybe in the box. I don't know. They yeah. they can they can get creative, which I, I I you're definitely you know they're versatile. Like they don't. I you put out you know a good article today about who might be replacing Baker. So you know like obviously they're in a tough spot. They've got to, they've got to replace, you know, who a guy who's supposed to start at outside corner, but at the same time, it kind of, it breeds competition. Like now there's a bunch of guys fighting for a spot. Somebody could emerge and, you know, turn into just, you know, like the guy who, who locks down that position. Obviously you don't expect any of the guys to become, you know, a lockdown corner or anything like that, but if they become a solid starter across from Bradbury, then you got the, you know, your good safeties uh, covering the top, you know, covering the box. Like then your, your secondary starts to look pretty decent. Yeah, no, I, and I, I said like, if there there needs to be a competition where to replace Baker, no, no, I'm not going to say that there is because Mm -hmm. with this whole situation, everything is allegations. We don't know. His lawyers say one thing, you know, some people say another, but as far as a potential competition goes with the uh, um, to replace Baker, it's not going to be as widespread as like a, the slot corner because the slot corner position mm-hmm. is supposed to is going to be. There's going to be so many guys. You know, they got two guys that they drafted, um, Darney Holmes and mm-hmm. Chris Williams, and that's going to be a very widespread position. But there's about three guys, three main guys who I think could replace Baker, and. Uh, you know, Love is one of them because I think Love is very – he played corner in college. I think, you know, they'll they, – they already possess the – already possess confidence in the fact that he can play multiple positions. I mean, he, he played strong safety for when Peppers went down last year. He was – in my opinion, he was potentially going to be the starting free safety this year before McKinney mm-hmm. got drafted. And then there's, you know, Sam Beal, but you don't know what you're going to get out of Sam Beal because he's only played six games in two years. And then, you know, you don't know what you're really going to get out of Corey Ballantine because he was more of a slot corner in his first year. Um, granted, you know, Corey Ballantine's career started off with tragedy. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. With the, it, which was, um, which is definitely tough. But that's what I said in the article. I mean, it, it, he, st- he started off his career with tragedy. He's, you know, a fresh start with a, you know, new coaching staff, maybe what he needs, but all these guys, that's, that's the issue with these, these guys are all so young. You still don't know what Mm -hmm. you're going to get from them at their best. And I think that's just gonna, I wouldn't be surprised if I think that the secondary will improve, but I wouldn't be surprised if there are some struggles the first couple of weeks. Yeah. I, go ahead. 
I was just, I was going to say, yeah, I, I just agree with you. I think there's going to be some inconsistency with that because you know what you're going to get out of Bradbury for the most part. You know what you're going to get out of Peppers. You know, those two guys have been around the league a little, you know, a little bit now. Um, but the rest of it, like you said, it's kind of – it's up in the air. There's big slop corner battle. Now outside corner, there's going to be another, you know, position battle there. And, you know, McKinney, obviously, he comes in highly touted. He played at Bama. He has all the stuff that you want to see in your, your uh, you know, your your cor- or your safety draft pick. But, again, he's a rookie. Anything can happen. He can, you know, he can have a really, really tough start to his career. Or he can, you know – turn into a guy where everyone's saying, how did he, how did he fall that far? Uh, but it, it, yeah. the point is you just don't know. Um, and I guess you, you kind of, you, uh, you allude or you brought up Chris Williamson before, I guess that's another thing I'm kind of looking at here. I'm, the giants, we talked about that Leonard Williams, they gave up a pick, but they had a ton of day three picks. Uh, yeah. They really, they really kind of like loaded up on defense and I guess more specifically linebacker in those later rounds. So out of yeah. those, those guys kind of in the later rounds, who do you think has the best chance of, you know, maybe not starting or anything like, or being like a star as a rookie or anything like that, but out of the, the, I guess we'll go from, you know, kind of the Cam Brown pick down. So the linebackers plus Chris Williamson, who do you think out of that group has the best chance of making an impact as a rookie? Um, I definitely think Carter Coughlin who was a seventh round pick out of Minnesota. He's an edge rusher. And I think, I think it's going to be Carter Coughlin in the event that they play a three, four, just because I think this team is another area. This team has struggled in the past couple of years is the pass rush. And uh, I just think, you know, enough depth at that spot would be nothing but Mm -hmm. a benefit. And I, I think, Coughlin's going to bring that to the table and it's looking at Coughlin it's amazing some of the guys that go later on like in the late rounds I mean Carter Coughlin's a two-time all uh two-time second team all Big Ten selection so there were twice where he was the second or you know edge rusher so made second or third best Mm -hmm. at his position in the Big Ten and it's not like I know Minnesota Minnesota's done well the past few years but you know, a lot of focus is a lot of attention is focused on the guys from Michigan and Ohio state and Michigan state and Penn. Like the fact that this guy was able to, you know, sort of was able to earn that honor twice. It's just amazing. The type of guys you could find in like the sixth and seventh rounds and, you know, going off his highlight reel, he's not his highlight reel, but just looking at the tape in general, he, he's fast. And I think that's so huge in today's NFL, a league that's becoming faster and faster, it seems, every single year. I think with his speed and his athleticism, I think it'd be nothing but a benefit to this pass rush, at least, you know, as far as a depth standpoint. And uh, we'll see what happens with Marcus Golden. Who knows if he's going to be a giant in 2020. Mm-hmm. But I think that'll be a – I think Carter Coughlin and Kyler Fackrell are two – uh, decent depth options right now. Um, but, you know, he's still got to put the work in. You don't know what you're going to get fully out of these guys in an NFL field until training camp and preseason hits. You just don't. So I think – but I think Carter Coughlin was a good pick. I'm definitely excited to see what he's about. And I think that the edge rusher position is so important on this team. So, I'm, you know, fans are hoping it works out for him. And, and even, even in the, like – in the in the event that you know Carter Coughlin isn't isn't a guy you can line up every down, even if he's a guy who like on um, pass rushing da- situations and third down, if he's a guy you can kind of throw in there, you know, third and longs, you know, situations like that where you know you can just say, hey, just go get the quarterback. They're definitely passing, even if he can yeah. come in on things like that. I think out of a seventh rounder, that's almost like more than you can expect or ask for. Uh, from him but yeah so uh, and I I don't want to get too deep into the you know the coronavirus and whether or not season's going to happen and everything like that but it's going to be tougher on some of those guys in the later rounds to kind of get their get their feet under them just because we don't know when they're going to be able to you know report to camp be in you know be in practice do things like that we're just we're not sure Um, but I think I, I, I would be interested to see how uh, how the Giants use him in year one, and kind of how how he uh, how he emerges for them. 
Um, but yeah, it's, you know, I, I guess we'll kind of transition a little bit to Gettleman here because he's obviously the guy who's pulling the strings at this draft um, and pulling the strings for the Giants the last few years. Uh, but we'll transition, I guess you, you mentioned Fackrell a little bit there. What did you, uh, out of the, the free agent signings, what was one, you know, what was one free agent signing that you thought the Giants like had to have? I guess we kind of talked about Bradbury a little bit. He's probably up there for you. But in terms of the free agents that they brought in this year, who do you think um, – I, I don't even know what I'm asking, but uh, – Who do I who, like? Who's, yeah, who, exactly. Who, who's your number one free agent for the Giants? I'm, I ask um, that in the most roundabout way possible. But <laughs> no, that's, uh, that's where we're at here. Um, uh, it definitely comes down to Bradbury and Blake Martinez. Um, look, neither of them are – superstars in my opinion but when you've won 12 games in three years you can't afford to get a superstar you can't push all of your chips to one side of the table that's why I was I was a fan of the Giants taking Bradbury over um, Byron Jones Mm -hmm. because I thought you need to line up performance what they can bring to the table versus price tag what they're going to ask for in a potential contract and I think when you line that up for Bradbury if you could get James Bradbury, who's definitely a starting cornerback in this league, who's definitely going to be the number one cornerback on this team for $32 million, $32 million guaranteed over three years, I think that's huge. And I think that's big for this defensive backfield, a secondary that we've said before that's struggled for a number of years. Um, I think right now he's a, I think he's a better option than Janoris Jenkins when you factor in everything. You know, price tag, mm-hmm. performance, um, attitude, off field <laughs> attitude, yeah. exactly. Yeah, off field controversies and all that. Um, I think he's about he's a step above when you factor in everything. I, I think he's a step above Janoris Jenkins, and I think he'd be he'd be a be a better mentor to these younger guys than Janoris Jenkins would. Um, and then there's Martinez, who I believe is a step. It's the same concept. He's a step. He's not a superstar, but he's a step above Alec Ogletree. Mm-hmm. The Giants couldn't push all their chips to one side of the table and get a superstar inside linebacker, whoever was on the market. He, they needed to get someone like Blake Martinez, another good deal, three years, $30 million. I mean, this guy, I don't care what people say as far as, you know, he was the cleanup crew for Darius and Preston Smith in Green Bay. He had 144, 144, and 155 total tackles from 2017 to 2019, which is a significant number. I mean, that 2017 total co-led the league. Yeah, he's a tackle so, machine. Oh, my. It's, it's insane. And he's – that's going to suit well with Joe Judge. That type of player who's aggressive, who can come up, who can make the hits, who can – you know, he only – he – last year – I think it was, yeah, 2019. I have it right here. 155 total tackles, only a 10% missed tackle percentage. I mean, you see 10%, you're like, oh, okay, he missed 10% of tackle. But how many, think of how many, you know, mm-hmm. tackle attempts he had. Yeah. If he's making 155, bringing down 155 tackles. So it's, he's a tackle machine. And I think he's 100% going to start. I think that's the one inside linebacker right now who's going to start 100%. You know, you yeah. also have Ryan Connolly, who's mm-hmm. coming off a torn ACL. Um, you're, you have David Mayo, who the front office loves, considering they, you know, brought him back for another three years. But of, out of all the – and then you have, you know, the rookies, the late-round picks, who I don't think are going to be competing for a starting job, but you never know. I think Blake Martinez is the one guy you have – that is going to be a clear-cut starter on this defense. And he's a step above Alec Ogletree. Um, he's more consistent than Alec Ogletree. A- Alec Ogletree, you can get a couple of good plays out of, and then he disappears or he, mm-hmm. he's, you know, he's inconsistent for another three quarters. So it, it's, I think he's a step above that. And, yeah, as far as the other moves are concerned, I mean, Fackrell's obviously going to be a depth piece. At, at rusher, but what's good about Fackrell and Martinez is that they worked with um, defensive coordinator Patrick Graham mm-hmm. in Green Bay in 2018. He was the linebackers coach. Um, so I think that can only be I, – I, I love the – I'm a big believer in that connections in the NFL lead to success. 
And I think the fact that they have a connection already with the defensive coordinator, they're a step, they're a step ahead. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I also love, I mean, he's not going to play. I love the signing of Colt McCoy. Um, I think as far as a, you need a experienced veteran backup. You know, that's what the Jets did with. Uh, yeah, that's, I, I don't hate. Morgan like I, I don't want to I don't want to rip James Morgan but I was I, I think I was more leaning towards yeah I wanted a veteran to come in to kind of be like a a, a guiding guiding voice and like another yeah. guy in the in the quarterback's room which I'm I'm in full agreement with you I think Colt McCoy I don't like they almost couldn't have gotten a better backup for Daniel Jones you know he has that that uh, experience in the yeah. uh, the NFC East Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I love the McCoy signing. It's funny. I actually had like, I forgot how long McCoy was on the Redskins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He was on the Redskins for like the better part of like the last six or seven years. I almost forgot. Like, I, I, I forgot that he was on the Redskins since like 2014. Because these guys, like, you know, they they don't play. Yeah, so you, so you don't hear about, about them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's like, wait, he's been on the team for like six years. It was crazy. But I think. And, uh, yeah, I think he's, you know, you can't go wrong with a backup like that. He's been in the league for, however, 10 years at this point. Um, not to mention two-time Heisman finalist. Yeah. You know, right. I mean, play the position. We for, <laughs> yeah, we forget. He was like a stud in college. Like, he was – Oh, he was, he was a star. Legit. And then, you know, he's one of those guys who transitioned really well into a, you know, a backup role where your quarterback gets injured, you need to play him for three, four, five games, whatever – you can you can survive with with Colt McCoy under center, um, and then you know obviously he must be doing something right as a backup if he's made it you know ten years in the league. Yeah, yeah, I yeah I I, I totally agree. I mean, you need that's why I think I, I think two good backups for Jones are they have so they have McCoy, and they have uh, Alex Tanney. Mm-hmm. Alex Tanney has only thrown like fifteen passes in ten years. But he's been around. He's been around the block. He knows, same thing, same thing know, as McCoy. He knows how yeah. the preparation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They, they know the process. They understand what the process is about. And I think, I think it's a mis- If you have a – obviously, there's no competition. I don't care what I, – I know Joe Judge is saying, you know, everyone has to earn their mm-hmm. roster, spot, roster spot and uh, death chart um, spot. There is no way, like, Alex Tanney is going to start Daniel Jones. Like, that's just not mm-hmm. happening. He's saying that because, you know, to get a competitive edge out of people. And But I think if you have, you know, Daniel Jones as your starter, I think it's a mistake to have two young guys as, you know, or just one young guy, however many they keep on the active roster as the backup. Because if Jones goes down, knock on wood, like, who do you have? Last year it was – you know, it was fine with them having Eli, who's, you know, won two Super Bowls and been here forever. Mm-hmm. You know, when you have like a young guy, say they took a rookie in like the se- they took a guy in the seventh round this year and he's Jones's backup. Jones goes down, you're screwed. You don't have yeah. anybody. Eli, at least, you know, Eli won a game when he came in. Yeah, that, that was the Eagles, so, right? Was that, is that, um, am it I should that? have been the Eagles. Was that the Eagles? Was the overtime was, loss? Eagles was the overtime okay, loss yeah, yeah. because of Redskins. Of, of, uh, Miami. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Jones came back and threw five touchdowns against Washington. That's the game that's, where they. That's right. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's the game where the Chase Young, the Chase Young yeah, ball. The, the, they they the, the Giants scored to win the game in in at um I think it is it still FedEx Field I think at mm-hmm. FedEx Field, and you could hear like Redskins fans cheering. Like they yeah. wanted to lose that. It was, I literally was sitting on my couch. Like, yeah, that the, the chase young saga is over. Yeah. <laughs> like, that was one play. And I'm, I'm, I've like, I can't watch the jets and ever root for them to lose. Like, I just, I don't have it in me for uh, like NBA. I get why teams tank. Like, even any, like, I don't know if they do it in NHL and not whatever. I don't care. But like NBA, <laughs> I know teams tank, but NFL, yeah. like, like I get why you would want to lose and get Chase Young. Like I get all that, but when I'm watching the Jets on Sunday, I can't like bring myself to lose. And I also I do think that there is value in you know like Daniel Jones having five touchdowns, beating the Redskins, like 
having like huge confidence boosts, like some tape for him to look at and say, you know, these are good things that he did. I think that's a really good thing for him, but it is tough when you're watching and you're like, you're knowing you're like, okay, we're, we're dropping out. And I guess, I guess it's different. Like edge rusher is one of those positions that, matters like that you know like if, if you're missing yeah. out on a cornerback or something like that because you drop a little bit that's one thing but if you miss out on a, a like a, a quarterback of the future or a pass rusher those are like the two positions I think hurt the most when you when you drop yeah. out like that well I think it, it was actually may have been at least in my opinion it may have been a blessing in disguise to win the last those two games late in the year because I feel like if the Giants were I think two and 14 or three and 13 even. And they got the uh, number two pick. I think you, you had, if that was the case and they got the number two pick, I think you got to take chase young at that point. I think I just, it's just one of <laughs> yeah. those things where it's like he's too good. He's too good to pass up. It, it was like Barkley a couple of years ago. Mm-hmm. They didn't, they had four quarterbacks, including Lamar Jackson at their disposal. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they were just like, you know, we got, they, they couldn't pass up on Zaquan. The fact that they got, they dropped to the number four pick, I think freed them up to have a couple different options. Because mm-hmm. Ch- Chase Young, you had to go with a number two. If Burrow was going to go number one, which he obviously ended up doing, I think it freed them up to pick an offensive lineman, which I think was the right pick at number four. So maybe, maybe Daniel Jones throwing those five touchdowns in in Washington mm-hmm. was a benefit but yeah I I definitely I find it tough to root against the Giants I don't know if I like it, it, like when I want them when I know like losing is going to be mm-hmm. a benefit but I I don't I don't know if I find it difficult I find it weird yeah okay like, I'm not yeah. used to it like mm-hmm. I, if, if like if they, they get like a, a big first down like I feel the need to like be excited but like i'm like wait i shouldn't <laughs> like, yeah, I feel yeah like it's it's just it's not the right thing to do right now <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's like it's like, my instinct to like okay yeah first down yeah, and then you're like oh well now we're not getting chase young so so yeah it's yeah yeah no that's that's always i i i, can't, I just i can't do it like i and i i definitely i sit there and i'm like i'm like we don't no one needs to beat the dolphins in week 16 you know or whatever i'm like we don't <laughs> like jets do not need this win but still, when they do win, I'm like, all right, okay. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm undeniably <laughs> happy about it. So I can't, uh, I, I can't complain when they win. Um, but I guess kind of transitioning a little bit, was there anything, um, was there anything from the offseason that you wish the Giants put more resources or more effort into fixing? Uh, we kind of talked oh. about the secondary a little bit. But is there anywhere where, like, Gettleman you think might have missed out? I guess it's hard to kind of – it's hard to look back and pick out specifics, but um, is there any yeah. area of the team that you would have liked to see more? Yeah, I guess it, it is tough to look back because, like I said, with the draft, I wish they got in the center, but then they, you know, then a couple more picks, and then you start, once you get more information, you start to change. Exactly. You know, you start to adapt. Um, you know, I definitely think a, receive, a tall receiver to use near the goal line is still a need. You know, they drafted, um, I believe it's uh, Benjamin Victor. Uh, well, they, they, excuse me, they didn't draft him. They uh, signed, him as, yeah. Yeah, signed him as an undrafted free agent. And he's, uh, I believe he's six foot four. So that would make him one of the taller guys on the roster. But I would love, you know, as I said before, they need to build around Daniel Jones. And I think one of the missing pieces right now, if their offensive line is going to work out, with who they drafted and uh, you know obviously Saquon needs to stay healthy and so does Shepard and hopefully Slayton doesn't have some sort of a you know sophomore slump mm-hmm. or anything like that hopefully Engram needs to stay healthy Engram stays healthy one, yeah. but who who knows with him um I think one of the pieces method one of the pieces that's missing is a tall receiver to use near the goal line um you know goal line fades, back corner fades, stuff like that. And I think that's where they kind of missed out on. I think maybe they should have taken someone like that in the drafts later on. I mean, if you look at the draft picks, four, I would say Carter Coughlin is technically a linebacker. So we'll just call him a linebacker. So, you know, four of the last five picks were linebackers. 
and three of them were basically inside, you know, off-ball linebackers. Mm -hmm. So it's weird that they decided not to go with a receiver and they decided to go with, you know, three guys who essentially play the same position in the last five picks. And it was such a – Sorry, I didn't mean I didn't mean to cut you off, but I was just gonna say it's such a deep draft with wide receiver, and it was it seemed like you know every time you looked there was a guy who you know they're saying on ESPN, well he's falling, he's dropping, like you know people didn't expect him to go this low. Seemed like there maybe you know, and like I said, I can't pick out specifics, but there's there seemed to be you know somebody out there that they could have taken a chance on who could have maybe filled that you know big physical receiver role. Right. Yeah, and I. Yeah, I just – there definitely is – it's crazy because there was – it was such a good draft to receivers, and they passed up on all of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, not really – you know, they didn't, they didn't go for any of them. And it's funny because if you look – one day I looked – now, I'm not a huge fan of these, but I looked at the tw- way too early mock drafts for 2021 – and those I get like weirded out by because not only do you have to pick who's going where, you got to pick who's going to be bad. Exactly. And yeah. I, I saw one where it was like they not only predicted who was going where and who was going to get which pick, they used like trades and stuff. I'm like, that is so like, that it's is just, too yeah. much like fantasizing. Like, that's I know. creating a different universe entirely. <laughs> like, this is never going to happen. And, and uh, you know, all of them, well, not all of them, but like all the ones that I saw had the Giants taking a receiver, you know, first round. So it's obviously a known need for them. They have the, they, they have the, uh, them taking the kid um, Ross from Clemson. And, like, the, each mock draft I looked at had the Giants picking top ten again. So <laughs> yeah. there's, there's that. I mean, but it's obviously a known need for them to draft a wide receiver. And I think, you know, if – they, they definitely should have done it this year. Now, they did sign this kid, Ryson John, who is an undraft, undrafted free agent out of um, – he went to Simon Fraser University, which is in British Columbia. He's six foot seven, I think 236 pounds. He may be more, used more as a tight end, though, if mm-hmm. he even makes, like, the team. So, like, that's an option. But, like, I just – I thought – I definitely thought – I thought the third round would have been prime for a receiver. So I guess, yeah, I guess that's my biggest thing that they passed up on. I'm just kind of look thinking back on it, that Leonard Williams trade, if they didn't make that trade, that would have been a great pick to use on, uh, on one of those wide receivers there, which I, I guess instead now they have Leonard Williams on the franchise tag. So good for, you know, Dave Gettleman getting his guy, but but uh, that feels like a missed opportunity in retrospect. You 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 know I've been pissed yeah, off I'm, about that. I'm, for I'm trying to fire you up seven, here with that. Seven, seven, for seven months I've been fit. It was one of those things. There's sometimes where like I see a move happen, and like regardless of the play, like if it's like a like Leonard Williams is a big name player. He was a Pro Bowl like you know especially especially in, in New York. But like usually New, if I New see York something. Yeah, like, I, we know, like, mm-hmm. we know, like, what he's about. And usually when you see, like, a player, you, like, you're, like, oh, wow, the Giants got who? And then you, like, you come to your sense. Like, I, I, I come to my senses, like, a second mm-hmm. later. I'm, like, wait, so they gave up this, this, this for a guy who hasn't done this much in, like, two years. Mm-hmm. And, like, his contract is running out. And I, like, oh, my God. I've been so – and what ended up being so bad for them was, like, they – they got a third round pick back because of the, um, the conditional pick or the compensatory pick from uh, Landon Collins. But it was the, the, the pick wasn't until number 99 mm-hmm. overall. And they had their second round pick was uh, 36th overall. So there was basically like two whole rounds in between picks. And that's why I, when, once I saw that, I was like the, uh, the negatives from the Leonard Williams trade just keep piling on. It's just, and, you know, who know if they – it's tough because, yeah, he's on the franchise tag, but only getting a – executing that trade and only getting a year and a half out of him is, like – it's still, like, ridiculous. It's still – Yeah, make, made no sense. It's no sense. It, it's never made any sense. They already had a good foundation of defensive linemen with Dexter Lawrence and 
Dalvin Tomlinson, who I've said multiple times, I think is low-key one of the best players on this entire defense, um, especially, you know, with Landon Collins now gone. He's now – he's arguably – I think he's one of the best players on this entire defense. And then B.J. Hill is good. B.J. Hill had a good rookie year in 2018. They just didn't need one more defensive lineman, and I don't understand why they're giving up two – you know, a third-round pick and a fifth – I just – Still, to the, it's been like seven months, and I'm still ticked off about it. I don't know. <laughs> like, yeah, no, I'm sorry. I like I like get I like uh, tweaking you on that because I know because <laughs> when it happened, I like I I had a very kind of similar reaction to you. Well, actually, not similar, but like the opposite reaction. Opposite, I saw yeah. it, and I was like, I was like, what? They gave up what for Leonard? I was like, oh my god! All right, I was it like, was a was what like, kind of moment yeah. in a good way? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was like, I was like, right, just get out of there. You know, sign sign the paperwork. Whatever you need to do, just get out of there. Because <laughs> go, go, go. They can have them. Uh, they can have them. Tough. Um, but I guess kind of bringing it all together, kind of full circle, because I think we did we did a lot on the draft, free agency, kind of got into Gettleman a little right. bit. Uh, I'm going to put you on the spot and we don't have to hold you, hold you and me. I'll make my prediction too. We don't have to stick to these predictions, but what do you think the outlook is for the 2020 New York giants say, and just on, we're, we're assuming that the season goes off, season, you know, normally yeah. 16 games, whatever. Yeah. What is your, uh, your end, uh, end record for the giants? So I, I said on, I said on my podcast last week or this this week, yeah, this week when I recorded, or this past weekend, rather. Looking at the schedule, I did like a game-by-game, game and I ended up with, I'm sorry, all Giant fans, I said 6-10. and 10. Just looking at the schedule, I mean, they have a tough – the first five games, first of all, Gettleman, Gettleman's going to have – they're going to have to win games for Gettleman to keep his job. I mm-hmm. think they're going to need to be at least like 3-2. and two the first five games and the first five games are Steelers Bears who you don't know who's playing quarterback could be Foles and Mm -hmm. obviously they have experience against Foles uh 49ers Rams and then at Dallas so there's a chance there's a chance where they could go one in four through the first five games and that one winner is possibly Chicago and you don't still don't know if Trubisky's playing and uh, you st- you don't know if Trubisky is playing or Foles. And to be honest, they lost the Trubisky last year. So it's the reason the Giants only lost by only <laughs> lost by five is because Trubisky was nowhere near good in the game. But you know they and then you got you know Philly, Tampa Bay, Philly yeah, again. It opens up yeah with a lot of their division oh games, my which are going to be tough. I mean the Redskins probably aren't going to be great. I don't think. But I division think that's two of the wins. Division, like yeah, division games are always tough. So you never know. Redskins could steal one there. Um, Eagles are going to be tough, like they, you know, they have been the last few years. Yeah, it, the, the schedule is brutal. You got Seattle at Seattle. That's a loss. Um, you got Arizona. Arizona and um, Arizona is one of my sleeper teams. I think Arizona and Denver mm-hmm. are both going to be good. Um, maybe not like. I'm not going to go as far to say they're winning the division, but like I think they'll be better than they were last year. Con- contend for a playoff spot, kind of. Yeah, thing, right? yeah, yeah. I think I'm big on. I love Kyler Murray, um, and I think Drew Locke is good. I think they have a good team surrounding Drew Locke that'll help them a lot. And then <laughs> week 16 at That's Baltimore. <laughs> yeah, this the uh, Baltimore is going to be a tough one. And uh, week 17 uh, versus Dallas. So. I think like six and 10. Cause he, I don't, I don't want to be, listen, Joe judge won the um, opening press conference. And I mm-hmm. think, I think Dave Gettleman has basically won. I think Dave Gettleman's had a great off season, but the press conference and the off things that happen in January to uh, May, June, aren't what's going to win games. They got to put a product out on the field and, you know, the last I saw this product that was on this field was I went to the Week 17 game versus uh, the Eagles, and um, it wasn't good a product at all. I mean, when you mm-hmm. it's it's crazy. I went to that game and there were it was filled with Eagles fans. I was like, oh, I almost yeah. felt like it was an away game. So it's they gotta the Giants football's got to get back to you know 
it's got to be a good product on the field. Back to what 2016 was, you know, it, or, you know, 2011, the playoff years. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's funny because you don't even want to say like 2011 football, despite the fact that they won the Super Bowl, they were nine and seven. It's not like they yeah, were like. They, they got hot at the right time, which yeah, they, yeah. obviously, you know, that's all you can ask for. But it, that during that season, they weren't like a powerhouse. It was very, no. very up and down. They were like six and six at one point. They weren't mm-hmm. like. So, and they, it's not like they were they were a game away from not even making the playoffs. So, but six and ten, um, I think Jones has a, I think Jones has a decent year, but I still think there are, there are, question marks at the end of the year that need to be mm-hmm. answered. So, I think I'm, I like I haven't I like I uh, I'll admit I haven't dove into the schedule or the roster, the draft or anything like as much as you, but I have them just pegged at four and 12 after kind of looking through the schedule. And I know it's like looking at the schedule is so tough. Cause right now we're sitting here and we're going like, you know, Oh, the 49ers, they're tough. But like, it happens all the time when a team who was great the year before comes out and then the 49ers are like, you know, take a huge step back. So it's so yeah. difficult to kind of look at the schedule, but like, you know, uh, this schedule is just brutal. I mean, Steelers, so Bears, bad. Niners, Rams, Cowboys. Then you got the division games. They got the Seahawks, Cardinals, Browns, Ravens. Like, the the non-division games this year are just so, so brutal. Yeah. I think I think if I had to throw the the uh, the wins out, I think you're going to pick up two against the Redskins. I Definitely, think they'll, yeah. they'll be able to steal one from the – or not steal one, but they'll I think they'll beat the, the Bengals – uh, actually, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna bump it up to five and eleven because I think I think they can win those three games: Redskins, Bengals, and then you're they're gonna steal a couple games here and there. I don't think they're gonna be great, but I think they're gonna be able. You know, it's the NFL. Weird, weird right. shit like that happens. Um, and then you know, I think it's just the Gettleman firing is just kind of like a long time coming. I think, uh, you know, yeah. he bought himself another year, but I just can't see them having you know a huge bounce back or at least, you know, enough to, uh, to have them keep around. So I'll, yeah, I'll go, I'll go with five, five and 11 next year. I think that's my, uh, my, uh, my final prediction. Well, at least we're more generous than, did you see like USA Today's projections? This is probably like two and two and 14. Yeah. It was like, I saw them and like, I was like, they have them being the worst team in the league. Like I was yeah, like, I that, don't think they're going to be that bad. I don't. Yeah, I think I think they got better in the off season. Even though you know, I'm predicting yeah. them to get five wins. I think they're, you know, if you see some progress from Daniel Jones, you see, you know, Thomas does well on the line. You see a couple guys on defense kind of emerge. I think at least going into next year, and maybe you know, you get rid of Gettleman, clean the slate there, bring in a new GM to work with Judge. There's, yeah. I think, after this season, there might be a lot of optimism about you know whatever going forward uh i wouldn't be shocked about that even if it is you know five six wins yeah you know it's you know it's funny about like teams who are as bad as bad as the giants have been the last few years there's like at least a level of excitement when the draft comes along Mm -hmm. because you have like a top 10 pick (laughs) so it's like oh i know i I know all about that yeah like (laughs) it's not even like like a mediocre like the redskins are bad but for the most time so the Redskins and like Bengals were obviously, you know, the two worst teams in the league last year. But I feel like over time, they were always generally like mediocre. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they were they were seven and nine or eight and eight, didn't make the playoffs, so there's no excitement there. But they got like the 15th, 16th pick. There's also mm, sort of excitement, not mm-hmm. really. Like the first five picks were it's like Yeah, if that's, you're getting a new, that's if when you're, you're drafting most a quarterback. Like, yeah. Like yeah, quarterback or like a you know big time defensive player like Chase yeah. Young, those guys who are you're like holy shit, this is guy's gonna you know change if, the franchise. If you saw like this Giants fan base a couple years ago, they went three and thirteen. They were like distraught. A couple months later, they picked Saquon Barkley. You oh, thought yeah. like you thought they won the fucking Super Bowl, dude. Yeah. Like it was like unbelievable. So like the, the, the draft when you're when, when you root for like a bad team. And they, they get a top. But if they get a top ten pick every year, there's at least some sort of excitement. Um, but I'm just, I hope they're not that bad where they're two and fourteen and they're getting mm-hmm. the number one pick. Because again, what if like, you know, what if a new GM comes in? Jones wasn't that great last year, or the, you know, the year that they mm-hmm. went two and fourteen. 
um, I think he was good in his rookie year. I, I think Jones is the future. But what if he's not good in 2020? And uh, New GM wants to go a different direction. He wants to get yeah. like Trevor Lawrence. They feel like mm-hmm. they can't pass up on him. Then it's like, what's going on? Like you, like you get then like it's a Josh Rosen situation almost, oh. where you know you're you're just basically giving up on a on a high high pick for. Yeah. I mean, you know, I guess a lot of it depends on how he plays next season. But uh, but yeah, that that would be tough. Um, Josh Rosen was some pick, dude. Yeah. That, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll own up to this. I had, when I, coming out of college for those guys, I think I had Darnold one, Josh Rosen two, Baker three, Lamar four, and Josh Allen five. So I had, I had Rosen up way, way too high. Uh, I think you could even argue I had Darnold up too high now that, you know, Lamar's a MVP or whatever. But I think out of the, like the, that group, there's four yeah. good quarterbacks, and Josh Rosen is not one of them. Well, I think Arizona had Josh Rosen a little too high, considering they yeah, <laughs> turned they, around the next. They, they turned they around just, a year later, and then he couldn't even play over Ryan Fitzpatrick in Miami. So I know, I know. It, that's just. I feel like sort of bad for him though, because it he's been a part yeah. of two just franchises who have been no good. Yeah, who were in like a bad place when he got to them. Yeah, and he just, you know, he's got, like, no help. He didn't mm-hmm. have – when he can – it's not like, you know, Daniel Jones had Eli. And, uh, you know, Lamar Jackson had Flacco. Mm-hmm. These guys had guys they could look up to. When uh, Josh Rosen got to Arizona, he had Sam Bradford, and who hasn't yeah. really – you know, who's been in the league a long time, but it's not like he accomplished – Thrown into the yeah, fire. He, I know. Like Sam Bradford had, you know, the Heisman Trophy, obviously, 10 years ago. And uh, he just he hasn't been a great NFL quarterback. And it, it's exactly what you said. He got thrown into the fire. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, too much. And to be honest, none of it's – I'm not huge on Rosen from what I've seen from him in the, you know, preseason. But I, I still feel bad for him. I still feel like he's, he's – rough start and not a lot of it it's his fault yeah i think <clears throat> i think he got the short end of the stick in a couple different situations uh but i guess 100%. kind of bring bring it back to the giants here any kind of closing thoughts uh to get out there i know we we kind of covered uh covered basically up and down the entire roster team front office we really hit on a lot of things but any closing thoughts last uh last call here um i think I think Gettleman I, has done a great job this offseason. I think he's uh, he's realized that every move is crucial this offseason. I think it's his last chance to basically prove mm-hmm. that he can run an NFL front office. And I think he's done, you know, as far as the picks, as far as who he's um, snagged in free agency, I think he's done a great job. I, I think he's realized that his backup is up against the wall. I think he did a great job in not taking the best player available and go in Isaiah Simmons and going with an offensive tackle. Um, yeah, I mean, we'll, as I said, games are won in September and October, and with this Joe, with with Joe Judge, it's a pure wait and see type of situation. You have no idea what you're going to get at Joe Judge. Um, you, you know, he's never had coach at any level, but it's they went with a different approach than most thought they would go as far as the coaching search. And it's very, it's going to be exciting to see how it unfolds. And I'm hoping it unfolds well. I'm sure all other Giants, I'm sure Giants fans don't want to tank again. Mm -hmm. Um, It's not like they're they're going to go for another quarterback. um, Unless the scenario that we just said before happens. But 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 I think that's that's definitely unlikely. That's a stretch. Yeah, yeah. That's a huge that's a huge um, but I'm excited. I'm excited to see how it on the event that a season occurs in full. Um, I'm excited. I, I am. I think it's, I think they're taking the right steps to build a good football team. So. Yeah, yeah. I guess just kind of building off of your point there. I know um, I, I liked the Giants off season too. I liked the draft picks. Um, the guys at the top, I think, are guys they needed, guys that fill spots for them. I like we kind of touched on Blake Martinez. I really like him for that defense. Um, mm-hmm. And 
we don't have the highest expectations for the Giants necessarily, even after that good offseason. But then again, the NFL teams go from the worst to first with that, you know, I don't expect that for the Giants, but it happens. Teams go from being, you know, the worst in their division to making the playoffs the next year. It's, you know, fairly common in the NFL more than any other sport. So you really never know. And, you know, until they get out there, you know, we're talking about maybe a one and four start, two and three start to the year. Who knows? Maybe they, you know, they surprise everyone, go three and two, and then we're, you know, we're singing a much different tune. So I think the offseason definitely gives Giants fans some things to be optimistic about. Uh, obviously, things aren't perfect, and there's a lot of question marks still, but I think there's definitely some hope for Giants fans going forward. And I think with that, that is the end of episode two of small ball radio uh you can check me out on twitter at dw small eight that's basically where i post everything for you know social media clips stuff like that uh episodes things like that you can catch all the news there and of course go to twitter to check out ryan as well at ryan honey esny uh he's got he's got you covered on all giants news uh, plus, you know, whatever else is going on in New York sports, Ryan and I will make sure we got you covered at EliteSportsNY.com. Thanks again for listening. If you made it this far, congratulations. Thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, yeah, have a good weekend.